This is the Exquisite Redemption Podcast, where we discuss neighboring, neighborhoods, neighborhood revitalization, and why I love chasing those wild turkeys down my own neighborhood street. Last time on the Exquisite Redemption Podcast. Wow. Back in the late... 60s, early 70s. He pursued an acting career in Hollywood. Ben Williams and Dustin Hoffman. And he uh, met me and he started talking to me. His name was Michael Ventrell. Whatever he was a stuntman. Another uh, solar system or something because it's another planet altogether. And they were these beings that I did not recognize. And it's just, it's so hard to explain when you're talking about the supernatural realm. Mm-hmm. But that got me closer to God because I knew. I cannot ex- describe them. Um, of this world because they were of the supernatural realm. And I remember remember talking to the people there and they said, oh, we don't need God. Uh, We're just here and we just create things and we, you know, and as soon as they said we don't need God, I said, so that So I'm going to open up this episode with a history lesson in Spokane, Washington. And this time it's about Susan Glover and her husband. Ultimately, they were married, were initially in love, and then they ended up hating each other. So by the summer of 1891, Susan and James, they got divorced. And James ended up marrying a much younger woman (laughs) through all of Susan's belongings out on the sidewalk. She decided to leave. And now she's homeless. She has nowhere to go. What is she supposed to do? So she's walking around, decides to sit on front porch steps of a family she knew. They peer through the curtains, notice her, and of course they don't want their reputation to be ruined. So they decide to call the police who comes along in a horse-drawn wagon. She refused to go with a police officer, and they took her by force, and they locked her away. They put her in jail. She had a sanity hearing. So during this time, women, they didn't have the right to vote. She was only 56 years old. She was incarcerated for being lost. So Susan Glover, a once wealthy woman, was forcibly admitted as a patient in a facility where they housed the insane. And that's where she lived for the remaining 22 years of her life. She was buried with a grave marker that only had a number. How is it that a woman had so many connections ended up dying alone? How many people, as they age, do you know of become forgotten? What does this have to do with creating community, eradicating isolation, and Uncle Gary? It has to do with people in the community of Forgotten's. He has turned that narrative on its ear into this placemaking of a different speak, a different seeing. Let's get going with part two of Uncle Gary's Superpower. audition to be a pirate, you'd be a terrific pirate. Okay. We're just waiting. 
for that day. Arr. <laughs> Me too. I'm waiting to be a pirate, by golly. <laughs> I love being a pirate. Okay. Arr. No, never mind. No, thank you. <laughs> or like, why isn't he uh, on that ship in that movie? <laughs> like, we wonder why. He should have a pig leg. He should be the underdog, pig-legged, one-eyed, parrot-eaten. <laughs> yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds delicious. Uh-huh. So, when you moved up to Spokane, um, when did you start working where you work now? We're not going to say the name of the place you work at because you've been. we've been asked not to say... Um, but what, what kind of a place do you work at right now? Okay. I'm glad you asked. Here's how I started at where I work. Uh, 2016, I started working at a place, but, uh, at the job I'm at now. But before that, I believe in even 2015, I started singing, uh, as a part-time entertainer singer, uh, around, uh, um, elderly um, rest home type places uh, with people that had Alzheimer's and people that were um, had dementia and things like that. I started singing uh, as an entertainer at those places, and I they would not pay very well, but it was kind of a a fun thing for me to be able to stand up with a microphone and sing all kinds of songs, you know, the old standards and, and Frank Sinatra and all the old good From Glen to Glen and down the mountainside. All that, I enjoyed it so the much. I met a girl that uh, worked at one of these places, and she said, um, why don't you apply for an activity director type uh, position? And you could work here more, get more hours and all that. I thought, wow, that would be great. So immediately I applied for a job and I got hired and I started working as uh, an assistant activity director. And we would play bingo and we would sing songs and we would do all kinds of fun things. And that is what I do. Uh, I just enjoy it so much, working with the uh, elderly and the uh, Alzheimer's and, and dementia people. I love it. It was in 1973. I was going to. Uh, I was asked by a friend of mine, my best friend, uh, to come to church, and it was a uh, little Baptist church. And I went to his church, and I put it off. I did procrastinate and say, "No, I can't do that. I'm singing, you know, and this and that." I knew that God was after me. I knew God was calling me. How do you know that? How did you know that some was afraid to greater to being yes. was chasing you down? Like, how did you know that? Because of my experiences, like I said, with the supernatural realm and with all kinds of people in my life that have been uh, members of churches and things, I loved. Uh, way back when I, I remember in elementary school, I uh, would walk by a church and I always just just had admiration for people that were, were, you know, God's people or something. And so uh, when I, um, in 1973, I gave my life, I became a born-again Christian uh, in a little Baptist church in front of the whole church. I gave my life to Jesus. And ever since then, it's been a, a quite a battle, but uh, God has 
been good to me because I'm still alive. And he's uh, restored me, and he's made me a new creature in him. And I've changed a lot. I uh, don't drink as much. I don't, you know, take drugs. I don't, um, I don't swear as much as I used to. <laughs> I just uh, am a happier person. I've never, ever heard you swear, Gary. That's good. <laughs> I hope I don't stub my toe in front of you. <gasps> That's when I swear. Yeah. <laughs> I have a specific line of like four or five words I say when I stub my left or right little pinky yeah. toe. I, yeah. Yeah. I, anytime I, I trip or hurt myself, I will. <laughs> you know, I am uh, probably one of the biggest hypocrites when it comes to saying, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I, I'm a born-again Christian. I love Jesus. I'm a human being. I have never said I was perfect. I've never said, you know, that I'm not, a, I'm just not as good as uh, I could be. But I do trust in God and I do love the Lord. And so I know that every day when I wake up in the morning, I say, thank you for another day, God. Yeah. So when I stub my toe, I say, <laughs> gee, I'm sure glad you told me that. Last year, you had a pretty serious experience. You already started working at this, um, you know, home for the aged, the aging, the aged, the dying, and the dementia, dementia patients, Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. You know, our uh, our culture's forgotten. I would call them part of our culture's forgotten people. Um, they're the people that people don't want to look at. They put them to the side. They put them away. Yes. Right. Um, you know, we know that um, elder abuse is on the rise. We hear stories about that all the time. Um, and you're working in one of these facilities, I would call them, yes. these like holding cells for people that really have nowhere else to go. Yes. Right? And family, uh, believe it or not, are the biggest causes and abusers of the elderly, the yeah. family members, because they don't know about Alzheimer's and dementia. They don't know why they are that way, but if they look into it and they learn more about it, they'll probably be a little more patient with people. Well, it's, I think when people, like the family I married into, they were such great examples of how to treat people that are on um, death's doorstep or family members that um, were about to expire, basically. Their bodies were shutting down, right? Not their souls. You, here you are um, working in this facility, basically, this um place where the forgotten are living until they just go away, right? Um, and then what happened with you? What, what major thing happened with you in your life? Okay. I was uh, mowing the lawn one day, and um, to retrace, just to go backwards a little, my father uh, died at age 62 of congestive heart failure, and he had had seven bypasses. Before that? Before that. So my dad had heart trouble my his father died of a heart attack in 1971 i believe when i was a senior in high school how old was he when he died when he was uh, i think he was 70 maybe. do you remember what the date was that you went in for surgery january 2nd of 2018 yes you seem to recover from the open heart surgery like with flying collars I think I have. I've yeah. been uh, very healthy since. I've been a new person, like I said. What it's, do you mean by a new person? I mean that God did something to me. I can't even explain it. It's okay. 
It's so hard to... There's no coincidences in God's kingdom. Let me tell you that right now. God is a, a God of truth. He's a God of miracles. He's a God of goodness and mercy. And so he took my life, took me in the operating room, got me out of there, and for a year now, I've been uh, just growing in him. And that means that God has changed my life because he has given me another job. And the job he gave me, instead of being an assistant activity person, not only do I do that where I work with Alzheimer's and dementia people, but every Sunday morning I get to preach for an hour with uh, the Bible and and, and have a service, a church service. Mm-hmm. So every Sunday morning, I have a church service with the residents there. And it is the most wonderful, fulfilling, joyful time in my life. So I think it, what I think is so cool, because we never know how our life is going to end up. Right. So here you are being a little punk ass, whatever, yeah. uh, doing drugs, yeah. <laughs> you know, all these things. Oh, yeah. Since that time which has been a year now. So you've been a pastor. Yes. Basically, you're a pastor to these yes. forgottens. We get together on uh, in the, in the, uh, after the services, and we ask for prayer. And one time I prayed for a woman that had fallen and hurt her shoulder, and the next thing we knew is that she was playing the piano, and she hadn't been doing that in six months, and she also did not require any pain pills or anything, and her sister came up and told me, Gary, God did a miracle. God is letting her play the piano. She How is, long ago did that happen? Uh, close to a year ago. She's you know, progressing with dementia. Yes. So she's not doing as well. She can't play the piano anymore Mm -hmm. and things like that. But there's another one that was there. She could not go in the elevator by herself. She was living there, but she had to go with someone in the elevator up to her room. So I prayed for her. Uh, months later, a few months later, she came up to me and she said, guess what, Carrie? She goes, I can go in the elevator now. And I go, guess what? I go, God did a miracle in your life. Yeah. I go, we don't know when God's going to do these things, but when we pray for pray for you and for people about things they need and things God answering songs, and we praise the Lord, and we learn about God's Word, you know, and we share all the good things that God has to offer mm-hmm. for these people that are older and that are getting on in their years. We, we share how good God can be and how wonderful He is, and He takes care of us. He, no matter how old we are, no matter how um, uh, unable our bodies are getting weak and how they're, we're in wheelchairs and they're, they're unable to walk or whatever, God takes care of them and loves them just as much as anyone. In sunshine or in shadow, oh Danny boy, oh Danny boy, I love you. That's it. On October 11th, 1921, James Glover's first wife, Susan Glover, died at the end of her 79th year on this earth. There is no family or birth year listed on her death certificate, and she was buried in Medical Lake on the cemetery grounds of Eastern State Hospital. And she has a grave marker with a number 
746. Her name isn't even printed on her gravestone. And this is one of the founding fathers of my city. How do we take a story of shunning, of isolation, of misunderstanding, of putting someone away because they're not giving you what you want with Susan Glover, she's not able to have children, and so he divorced her. At that time and place in history, he had the right to do that. She couldn't argue. He had absolute control over all the finances. He put her away. As we will find out in the coming weeks, had gone through a lot of trauma. She experienced those traumas as she was growing up. How can we redeem this? What does this story look like? I'm looking forward to unpacking this story and figuring out how to transform the narrative. Because in all honesty, aren't you tired of bullies? I am so tired of bullies. This woman deserves to have her story told. She deserves redemption. She deserves to be seen and to be listened to. And that's part of Gary's story too. Entering into a relationship, creating space, and place with individuals with a community that most people shun. Join me next time as I sit down with Jive and Jana and Kick-Ass Cat, two co-workers of mine whose inclusive friendship creates space for the redemptive process. And as I always say, Spokane, don't forget your grit and grime because that's part of our redemptive process too.